0: From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. Welcome back to Terra Informa. I'm Shelley Jodway And I'm Hannah Cunningham. And we'll be your hosts for the next half hour of environmental news from across Canada and around the world. This week, we're digging into an archive from last November, where my co-host, Shelley, and Terra Informer, Amanda Rooney, sat down with the Executive Director of Paths for People. Pass for People
1: is a non-profit organization in Edmonton that advocates for infrastructure designed with pedestrians and cyclists in mind. But before we get to all that, here are some environmental
0: news headlines. A dead whale in Iceland is having its DNA tested to determine whether it's a blue whale or a fin whale. If the whale is found to be a blue whale, it might cost an Icelandic whaling company its license since the species was protected by the International Whaling Commission in the 1960s and is illegal to hunt. However, the company and a handful of experts say that the whale might be a fin whale, which doesn't fall under the same legislation. Some experts suspect that the whale is a hybrid between a blue whale and a fin whale. Other experts are adamant that the whale is a juvenile blue whale. A representative from a dolphin and whale conservation group adds that instances of hybrids are not high.
1: The DNA results of the whale are yet to be revealed. However, there is concern that the negative publicity about whaling may shed bad light on Iceland, which is a top destination for tourists looking to catch a glimpse of these massive mammals.
0: The state of California has reached a set of greenhouse gas reduction goals. The target was for greenhouse gas emissions to fall below 1990 levels by 2020. Records show that the target was reached in 2016, The state's emissions peaked in 2004 and have fallen 13% since.
1: A graph from the California Air Resources Board shows that the 2008 financial crisis had an effect on the amount of carbon dioxide emitted. Despite the more recent economic upturn, the downward trend in emissions has continued. This climate win sets an example for other states and provinces that emissions reduction targets can definitely be
0: achieved. In local updates for those living in the Edmonton area, The city is embarking upon a roadway rehabilitation project on Saskatchewan Drive and the adjacent shared-use path between 99th and 109th Street. Citizens have the opportunity to provide input on the project this coming Saturday, July 28th, at Dr. Wilbert McIntyre Park from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. On the topic of shared-use
1: paths and city infrastructure, here comes our main piece for the week. In 2012, Isaac Cornelson was biking on White Avenue and was struck by a car and killed... This terrible event was a wake-up call for many Edmontonians, including Conrad Nobert, the Executive Director of Paths for People.
0: TERRA informers Shelly Jodwin and Amanda Rooney spoke with Conrad in June 2017 after the release of their new multi-use trail policy recommendations. They discussed reimagining the use of public space, hopes and ideas for the future, and those recommendations. Here's Shelley Jodwin and Amanda Rooney with that story.
2: Conrad Nobert. So I'm the vice chair of Paths for People. Um, we're an organization that uh, I helped co-found in late 2015. So we're about a year and a half old. We've had quite a bit of success, I would say, in our mission and vision and all that stuff. So we're just, you know, continuing our work and um, hopeful about a more walkable, bikeable Edmonton. Our our vision is a more walkable and bikeable Edmonton uh, through urban design.
1: What led you to found Paths for People?
2: Well, um, for me personally, it it started in 2012, I believe. That was the year that uh, Isaac Cornelson, who was a 19-year-old University of Alberta student and triathlete, was uh, riding his bike on White Avenue and he he got hit and killed. You know, uh, up till then we had been talking about bike lanes in Edmonton and we'd been doing them poorly and uh, But that one really you know, struck a chord with me, and, and I think with a lot of people. So, so that's what got me to, to get active in this role, seeing that the city really needed to be pushed to, to uh, develop a sense of urgency around putting people on bikes and also people walking uh, you know, a little bit, giving them a, uh, a bit more priority in, in, in terms of uh, infrastructure. You know, than they had been getting. So that's where it all started. And there's kind of a story that leads up to us actually founding it. but but that's where it started. And uh, yeah, we've been working since then.
1: I remember that actually. i was uh, I was a student when when that accident happened. and I remember there being a sort of a group ride in in memory of him. Do you sort of see that as a a point where the conversation really started to happen?
2: Yeah, and um, at, at the time, I was really upset about it, and I, and I went on that ride and stuff. Jacob was on that ride too, my son. I decided to organize a, t- a town hall meeting, a cyclist town hall meeting, and so I did that. I invited a couple of uh, politicians to it, and so, yeah, that's when I think the, the conversation changed. I think that people started to find their voice. Um, we just, we started to find our voice, you know, the people who, who had been marginalized for so long by public transportation Infrastructure system that had prioritized the speed and and convenience of motor vehicles for you know really since since we since they were invented almost since since shortly thereafter so you know so I think people started to that and and also um, because that is really uh, now is the age of social media and stuff it's really easy to get um, educated about this and see that you know what there is an alternative and so yeah I think I think that Isaac's passing well it's tragic it 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 was tragic because it was it was preventable and uh even though he was doing everything that uh people on a bike are supposed to do you know according to the old uh convention he still lost his life just for trying to get around in a healthy way which is unacceptable and so i i think that 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 really uh coalesced the the uh, community to do something
1: yeah wow so you've been pretty busy since then it sounds like so you've just released a policy recommendation to the city about what they should do with their trails.
2: Yeah, last summer we came up with the idea of a, a network of, of separated bike routes downtown, and then you know we went to Stantec and asked them to fund half of a white paper kind of study on it, and they agreed. And then we you know brought that to the to the city and and um, asked them if if they would consider building it. So that that's kind of been our biggest achievement so far as this uh, Downtown Bike Network, which was just opened last week actually, so we're, we're very excited and, and proud about that, and also very keen to um, develop the next segment, which is going to be the Southside Bike Grid, you know, right around the University and, and um, Strathcona, so we're feeling good about things right now.
1: Were there any other, any other sort of high points that or that milestones along the way that, that brought you to today?
2: Another big one, we've been working for, like, over a year on this file of, you know, there's this concept that started in South America called Ciclovia. Every Sunday, they were going to close down large, you know, parts of their of their uh, street network to cars. And when you close it to cars, you open it up to everyone else. There, it's now just automatically, they have millions of people per year, uh, you know, participating in this Ciclovia festival. So we've been, you know, working with the city for uh, over a year on this project, and and it uh, you know looks like it'll it'll happen for next summer, and you know we're actually calling it high level Sundays. So we're going to open up the high level bridge to people on three Sunday mornings. You know the high level bridge, and also north of the high level, and and south of the high level. So 109th Street probably we don't have the exact routes chosen yet, mm-hmm. but uh, and you know just to to invite people to uh, experience our infrastructure, especially the high level bridge, which is. Uh, has been contentious recently and, and is a real icon in Edmonton and very dominated by the, the noise and the almost threatening violence of cars uh, cars just own the high level bridge everyone else is kind of on the on the margins so yeah we're, uh, we're like really excited about that we've been uh, we've entered into a partnership with the city to to develop it and it looks like it's going to go ahead oh, we're not quite there the, it has to pass one more vote at at council but that's another big piece
1: I think that um probably would generate a bit of a mind shift for people
2: yeah and it yeah you you know you actually picked up kind of right on on our, our part of our goal and it always has been and is, is to be positive and to have fun right so we just think it'd be super fun you know to be able to you know to enjoy you know these streets in a, a different way where you're not worried about this kind of threat of I guess being mowed down at any time you know mm-hmm. there's always that kind of low level of, of stress there, especially yeah. if you're traveling around with a child or, or yeah. uh, you know, someone who's a little bit more vul- vulnerable. But also, yeah, you know, we want f- people to be able to see the possibilities, right? You know, we've only ever envisioned one way to use probably 70% of our of our public um, transportation space. And uh, maybe there are a lot of possibilities. And, you know, we really try at, at Pass for People too kind of step aside from this car versus yeah. bikes big fight that you know it seems to happen everywhere and and you know whenever something happens everyone wants to point their finger at each other right oh you did something wrong or your group does something wrong and it's 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 very uh, divisive we see it as the infrastructure failed us you know if you're driving a car which I do we own a car and and we, and we drive around you're going you're going to respond to the signals that that you're that the road is giving you, and if you're riding a bike, you're going to do the same thing. And if you're walking, and so you know, we don't we don't like to focus on this. Oh, we need to educate each other and 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 point fingers and and figure out who's to blame every time somebody gets hurt or killed. We think, and and this has proven itself out in so many areas, uh, like other jurisdictions, that if you change the infrastructure, you can change the result.
1: So. Right. And so I guess that's kind of what's happening with those like new bike lanes that mean you know, different infrastructural lead to different behavior. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 It's easy, right? It's easy to point a finger when you're in distress like that. Um, And I think, I mean, we're all guilty of it. A more measured solution is to have a a better long-term plan um, and set up. And so it sounds like that's sort of what you're pushing for with this new policy recommendation. Yes. So can you tell us a bit about what's in it and how it's different from what the city already has going on?
2: Okay. Yeah, Sure. So and and this actually goes back to kind of uh... the high-level bridge again so uh... you know recently the these um, like city put out a, what's called an RFP request for uh... like proposal for a design company to look at the top of the high-level bridge which right. of course is very exciting you know uh... Mm-hmm. there's a lot of room up there and and there are some possibilities for maybe um... putting people on bikes and 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 walking uh... up at the very top which would be super awesome yeah but um... In this RFP, it said, you know, they're looking for multi-use trails up there, and so we we you know kind of twigged on that and, and thought, well, wait a minute, like this is this would be probably the the busiest quote unquote multi-use trail in the city um, if if it gets built, um, and but the multi-use trail, kind of you know traditionally in in uh, Edmonton we've we've built that and pointed to it as okay this is as good as it gets so this is the highest level of, you know look at what we've given you kind of thing, which, you know, everyone's always grateful for. They they serve a lot of great purposes. But in some situations, we feel that that there is a level of infrastructure that's a step higher than a multi-use trail, which would be segregation of people walking and uh, like people biking. So kind of a multi-use trail, it would look like a multi-use trail for bikes only, and then beside it or maybe separated by a row of, you know, low bushes or something would be a... Nice walking path. We, uh, you know, actually contracted a, a researcher writer to do a, um, you know, four-page white paper on 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 what's happening around the world and what, you know, also in in, in other cities in Canada and make a, a policy recommendation about, okay, City of Edmonton, you know, we want to work with you guys. We think you should start thinking a little bit in a more sophisticated way about multi-use trails.
1: So what what are you, what are you recommending?
2: We don't. We don't have uh, actual parameters because all of this stuff is really new in, in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden, you know, people are. There's this revolution. Is probably a strong word, but you know, <laughs> people people want to get around and move around safely and uh, outside of cars. Uh, so, so there isn't actually any well established parameters around when a multi use trail isn't good enough because it is good enough in in some situations, right? So, so you know, there are remote parts of the river valley where there's like uh you know 20 people use it per hour let's say during the summer and and a multi-use trail is fine right because if you're if you're riding your bike um you might see one or two people on your bike ride you just give your bell a ring and there's a lot of room to go around them and and it all works out but um you know for example like like one of the most infamous examples would be um, saskatchewan drive just uh an insult to anyone uh, you know whoever uses it like at some points it's like a meter and a half wide mm-hmm. and there's supposed yeah. to be two-way bike traffic and two-way uh, pedestrian traffic on it at the same time so yeah. so that would be the other extreme and that would be a, a situation of a, of a of a path that uh, is used enough that it would warrant segregation but we don't have exact numbers but you know that like we need to come up with the the city needs to come up with numbers like you know, if there's say 25 users per hour or something like that, you know, a certain num- a certain Some number kind of threshold. Yes, yeah. then yeah. then we will build and 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 actually it's uh, you know, like they need to be able to to predict how many will use it once there's an upgraded trail there as well mm-hmm. because good infrastructure draws users out to people out to use it.
1: S- so it sort of sounds like um, what you're going for is. Twofold, right. So you want to have some usage thresholds in which you'll you'll have um, like the city needs different types of infrastructure. Right. Under a certain threshold, maybe a combined multi use is is fine. But above that threshold, maybe you need to start separating it mm-hmm. out by use. And then do you have any thoughts, I guess, on what what are best practices was that a part of your white paper sort of what is a best practice in terms of um, what those thresholds are and then what what it looks like above that
2: certainly what it what it looks like above that would be you know what I um, described earlier like like having a three meter wide um, bike only path um, possibly separated by a little barrier and then um, ideally a two meter wide uh, walking path so we would want the um, the city to to come up with a threshold that is conservative you know um leans towards building good infrastructure rather than you know making it something where you you make a mistake put in something that that isn't good enough and then and then it's difficult to retrofit later so we recently commented on this uh draft document that the the city is working on um you know it's the uh complete streets guidelines which you know they actually uh there's a there's a an official version that exists from 2013 and they are, um, you know, revising it. And so we, we, we commented on that. Um, it's, and and so it's probably going to go to council this fall or, or, or next spring. And there's a lot of great stuff in there, but we've, we've pushed them pretty far on a lot of other stuff that we didn't think went far enough. So, so the, the city has an opportunity to, you know, to take some leadership. To be honest, we've been looking for leaders within the city, uh, for a few years and finding some, and, and more are uh, emerging. And so I think that uh, you know, people within administration are, are starting to realize that the old way of um, measuring everything through what's called level of service, which is code for getting the cars through fast and as many as you can, um, isn't, isn't you know, going to work anymore in the, in the uh, like long term. And so uh, like actually we've, we've had uh, people who work at the city, usually younger people, who have contacted us and, and thanked us and said, you know, because they they, they felt frustrated. There's this kind of, uh, there has been in the past, I'm not saying this isn't changing, but there's been this layer of kind of old guard, uh, um, upper upper management um, that, that has uh, kept everything prioritized very much, you know, towards vehicular mm-hmm. convenience and speed. So there's a real disconnect between our transportation infrastructure and the type of users that it induces and so there's this concept of induced demand if you build a road that becomes a subsidy a nice empty road and people respond to that subsidy and use it but there um, induced demand works in in two ways because you can you can induce uh, people to drive their cars you can do the same with with walking and biking Mm -hmm. and so um, from a, a climate change perspective in the in the center of edmonton it it doesn't make sense to try to get people to to bike from rutherford from you know from 15 kilometers away from if they work downtown like 15 kilometer an hour or sorry up, um long bike commute isn't isn't really realistic but there is like two hundred and fifty thousand uh, edmontonians who who live in 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 the center what, what we're calling the center and and a lot of their trips could be by bike and by walking and a lot of them would do it if the infrastructure is in place and so so we want to see um, a, a cohesion between or an um, agreement between our uh, like motivations to, to fight climate change and our, and our transportation policies because there's a disconnect when you're, when you're kind of making it great and awesome to drive everywhere mm-hmm. at the same time as wanting to reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So, so biking and walking play c- can play a like, significant role and, and we're interested in pushing that issue a little bit further.
1: Cycling and, and walking, and I guess active transportation broadly, um, also has a, a more social context in the sense that it's way cheaper to bike around than to own a vehicle and drive around. Absolutely. And so we have tons of communities that are not located in the center that I think, I mean, from my perspective, could probably hugely benefit from um, having uh, a net- a network such as the one that uh, we've just established in downtown within their own communities and connecting them mm-hmm. to other communities. So, I mean, we're, we're seeing st- some attempts at that with the LRT expansion, yep. which is in the future. Is that something that's on the horizon? Are you Are you thinking of Have you spoken with any of those communities? Have Has anyone sort of shown interest in that That you know of?
2: It is. It is certainly in our in our medium to long term plans. And yeah, like, uh, you know, I I guess we we are looking to shift as many people who are open to the idea as as possible. I think politically, our 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 city is there right now. You know, because we. We kind of tried to roll out some low-quality bike lanes uh, in faraway places, and, and, you know, people pushed back. And, and and so the kind of political consensus, I think, right now is high-quality, all-ages and abilities networks in, in uh, central Edmonton. For four to five years, you know, we're, our goal is, is to have the city build out that network uh, by about seven or eight kilometres, always connected to the original network, though, each year. But I think at, at the same time, we can build kind of um, arterial spines of uh, all ages and abilities routes that uh, you know go, go to the north and west, east and and well, not so much east, but but certainly south. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that I think that. And and um, you know there's another, this time I will use the term potential revolution happening, which is <laughs> e-bikes. So um, like like, uh, like, um, like you know e-bikes are, are are like rapidly coming down in price and you know becoming much more, Uh, common and and uh, so someone who did live in Rutherford and didn't want to kind of provide the muscle power to go 30 kilometers a day but maybe the muscle power that 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 would get them 10 kilometers and uh, the e-power to go another 20 right so uh, like all of a sudden if you have an e bike distances on by bike are are much shorter you know so like so I think that 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 there is a a lot of potential but we are pretty far behind in this city.
1: Would e-bikes be allowed in uh, bike lanes?
2: In Holland, nobody cares what kind of bike they ride. And so, you know, I, I, w- I went there a, a few years back. I'm sure some of them do. It, actually, I should, I should say some of them definitely do. And in Holland, they're the ones with helmets and Lycra. So there are these, these road riders. But on the other hand, then, there's all of these, especially, you know, the young males riding around on, like, what we would call a Mary Poppins bike. So this bike, it's a step-through bike, um, and and probably they don't even know what, what brand it is. And so that's where what we at, at um, like Password People, when it comes to, to cycling, you know, we want to see, like, you know, nobody, everyone vacuums their house. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares what kind of vacuum they have. No one's a vacuumist, <laughs> right? You just vacuum your house. And so, you know, we want to move towards that culture where... I'm just a person who gets around on a bike. Now, as 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 far as e-bikes and uh, like regulations go, yeah, uh, we 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 haven't thought about it too too much. Um, you know, it, it would definitely be um, electric assist. So so, uh, you know, anything that that is as light, close to as light as a bike, and and goes 30 kilometers or I, or, or less, I don't I don't see a problem. You know, with 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 that kind of person or. And their contraption being being on a, an like all 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 ages and abilities, uh, cycling network. I think I think that that would be fine. Uh, like also, it's very easy then to to pigeonhole like a lot of the people who are against uh, bike lanes and stuff like that. Like they see cycling as recreational, and so and and it's it's great for people to use it as as, as recreation. But we're looking for um, acceptance into uh, you know the the broader really the 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 realm of public spending we want them to spend some money on on bikes as a form of transportation so and and they're they're uh, very different right you know r- like riding a road bike and and routing riding a mountain bike uh, both of those are are, are are generally forms of recreation they're awesome and stuff but that's that's a lot different than I just want to get to work mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so yeah or pick up groceries or whatever and it doesn't matter if I'm on a stand-up bike because I just want to enjoy myself and get around and, you know, if I don't make my Strava time or whatever, it's okay. (laughs)
1: That was Amanda Rooney and myself speaking with Paths for People's Conrad Nobert in June
0: 2017. We hope you've enjoyed our show this week. If you want to hear more stories like this one, check out our website at terrainforma.ca for past episodes.
1: Have you ever wanted to be on the radio? Terra Informa is recruiting. If you want to join our team and share your stories, check out the About Us tab on Terra Informa.
0: Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Edmonton on Treaty 6 Territory. If you have any questions or comments, you can send us an email to terra at or tweet it at Terra Informa. Visit us at terrainforma.ca and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Thanks this week to our contributors, Amanda Rooney, Sydney Carbonic, and Lucas Burroughs. We've been your hosts, Hannah Cunningham and Shelley Join. Catch you next week is not to do it
0: for